This podcast is created for farmers and powered by Pioneer Agronomy to bring you agronomic insights and proven solutions to fuel forward-thinking farming. Welcome back to the Indiana Pioneer Agronomy podcast. I'm your host, Ben Jacob, joined this week, as always, by Brian Schrader. Brian, how are you today? Very good, Ben. Glad to be here. Good. So for this podcast, which I should mention is the April 13th version of the Pioneer Agronomy podcast, we have a brand new guest to the program um, who is in a brand new role. So Brad Burkhardt is joining us. Um, Brad, if you don't mind, well, thanks for coming on. If you don't mind, uh, take a second and uh, tell folks the story of Brad. All right. Well, thank you, Ben. I appreciate the introduction. Uh, so my name is Brad Burkhart. Uh, I work for Corteva as a, well, I had been a local crop protection territory manager for about the last uh, 13 years uh, for the company. And uh, through some different transitions internally, I got an opportunity now to take a new role as the uh, market development specialist for the uh, Indiana and Eastern Illinois district. And uh, glad to be here on the team. Like I said, I uh, started with my career with legacy companies. Uh, and I've been with Legacy Dow, Dagger Sciences, Dow DuPont, now Corteva. Um, so, like I said, the last 13 years, my territory has kind of transitioned. I uh, was in southern Illinois for about six years. And then for the last about six years, I've been in southwest uh, Indiana, kind of serving the 16 counties down there. So glad to be here today and discuss with you guys any hot topics and kind of what's going on with the industry. Yeah, well, I like I said, I appreciate you coming on. We appreciate you coming on. Um, and yeah, there are there are some fairly hot topics to discuss um, throughout the industry. Uh, so I think probably let, let's start let's start with some good news. Um, so there was another enlist update a week or so ago on the counties. Can you can you kind of explain? You know, we, we've talked through the label changes when they first came out. Can you explain what that update was and uh, what that means to folks? Yes, uh, excellent. That's a good question. So you guys are very well aware that there was a little label change uh, there about a month and a half ago on some new requirements uh, on the label as far as um, basically some timing changes. So there were some county restrictions and things like that that kind of involved the, uh, the ESA through the uh, EPA looking at the uh, environmental aspect, uh, looking at endangered species. And the good news is, is Corteva, with what we do on our, our data and studies, is we were able to actually reinstate uh, about 128 of those counties uh, submitting that data. So we're able to actually spray and list one uh, in those counties now. We're there for a little stint. We, we weren't able to do that. Um, one of the other big changes, I guess, if you will, uh, was the fact that, uh, you know, the label now is granted through 2029. So our label now is, you know, ironclad to the next seven years, which is great news for our customers. Uh, and it looks like we're going to have that stability because, you know, Enlist is, we've been able to prove that our product, uh, you know, stays on target. It's, uh, it, it goes where it needs to go and it, uh, it does what we say it's going to do. Outstanding. So, you know, with with that, you know, supplies supplies a hot topic, and, and we've we've covered this. It's it's one thing that I have to bring up anytime somebody mentions mentions enlist. Enlist is is made right here, right here in America. It's a point of pride for me. Um, so, our supply has consistently been pretty good on it. Made that still maintain good supply on enlist as we go into the spring. It- it is. Um, it is one of the things that we can confidently say at Corteva 
that it is 100% domestically produced here in the USA. Uh, and I, I do, I'm like you, Ben, I have a sense of pride in that. You know, Corteva being an American ag chemical company, uh, that gives me a sense every day when I wake up that I, I know I'm, I'm doing what's right for the American farmer and for our customers. Uh, so looking at Enlist Supply is we've been extremely well. We've actually shipped uh, almost twice the gallons I think we've ever done in the last couple of years since launching Enlist. So supply at our customers and at retail is uh, in, in great, uh, great supply, if you will. Uh, I will point out, though, one of the things that has come up over the last couple of weeks is some of the uh, kind of generic uh, supplies of 240, LV4, and LV6s. Uh, so we are getting looked at a little bit more now uh, as far as uh, using our product maybe in an early burndown, and that is definitely an option that we can do. So, you know, it's on the label. We can use a pint and a half of Enlist One and, you know, following those label requirements, uh, we can use our product there. And so that is uh, one thing that has uh, kind of come up here in the last couple of weeks. So, I mean, that's that's an awesome lead in. So with with some of the other actives being in short supply, what should folks be thinking about for their burn down? I mean, stuff around here really in just the past seven days has just kind of exploded with green and purple. Um, so it's we're getting we're getting to that point so what considerations is you know and i know it depends on do you have all of the glide you wanted do you have all, all of this that you wanted but what what's the broad broad approach to burn down here that for folks that may or may not have shortages well i think uh the first thing you know if you are glyphosate limited uh which i know that there there is some shortages out there i think the big thing to be really cognizant of that i i know i see year to year every year um, if you have a, you know, a cover crop, you know, termination and, and um, depends on your, your weed spectrum, what you're going after, using full rate residuals with those burn down applications is, is going to be key. Uh, the other key when I look at is, you know, if you do have a, you know, a ryegrass, zero rye, things like that, we're going to have to have glyphosate. I really don't think there's no exception uh, for terminating the, those, those ryegrass stands. And I know that's going to be a challenge if you are limited on glyphosate. Uh, some other options that I know uh, customers are kind of looking at this year be because some may be limited on the glyphosate piece is, you know, looking at Paraquat or looking at uh, maybe a, a group one uh, type of grass product on a burn down. And uh, I think if you're going to do those, just make sure you're paying attention and using full rates uh, and, and watching those tank mixes because, you know, when, when you're looking at products like uh, Clefidem and, and you tank mix it with a 2,4-D type product, there is a little bit of an antagonism you can kind of see. So making sure you're, you're uh, using uh, the correct rate, if you will, to be able to kind of control what you're trying to do. Um, you know, looking at that burn down aspect, uh, especially for my, you know, my old territory, uh, we started some applications here a couple weeks ago. We've had some cooler nights. Um, I think now looking at the forecast going uh, going out here in the future, I think we're not going to be in any more freezing freezing nights. So I think it's just going to be it's going to be time to go once it does dry out again, and making sure we're using those, those full rate residuals. Good advice. Good advice across the board, regardless if you're down in Southwest Indiana or not. Um, <laughs> so. You know, we, we talked a little bit about burn down, you know, and, and you, you've mentioned residuals, mentioned using full rates, um, you know, for our enlist customers going into the season, we have, we have a really good option to come back in over the top. And, uh, but what, as, as we think about weed management going on into the season, the post, post applications and, you know, around, it's kind of similar to the first question with, with 
folks that may be supply limited or what what do they need to consider? Well, that's a really good question. So I think the the first thing to do is I, I know our retailers are doing everything they can to try to try to get the products that they need. And just specifically speaking for Corteva, you know, I mentioned earlier about Enlist being basically double what we've shipped. Um, the whole goal when we started, you know, last year into this year is is demand has increased uh, exponentially uh, for Corteva, which is is a fantastic thing. Um, we are doing everything we can to try to meet that demand. And I think we've done a really good job, probably better than some of the other manufacturers out there. So when, when we're looking at our, our Corteva lineup, you know, I talked about those full rate residuals. Uh, so if we're using products like uh, Kyber or Trivent, things like that, making sure we're using the, the full rates, you know, to extend those residuals. Uh, but then when we're coming back on that post timeframe, especially on the soybean acre, trying to get a group 15 uh, product here on that post side, uh, obviously, we prefer Everpre-X being, being our, our product. Uh, there is other products out there, though. Uh, if you can get one of those Group 15s in with that, that early post application, you know, you're overlapping your residuals and you're keeping kind of weed free. Um, you know, when we're talking about that post time frame, I might just take a side sidecar here for a second. Um, I know what I always like to talk about when I was with custom, my customers is, you know, sometimes people want to wait a little bit before they kind of go out there with that post application. Um, what you get into with that is you, you start spraying weeds that are a little bit taller, maybe a little bit off label, right? So I think the key is, is kind of going by the calendar when we're putting out a residuals and looking that 21 to, you know, 30 days afterwards, uh, to be thinking about those post application timings, because when you're trying to control a six inch or less water hemp, you've got a lot less growing points versus you going at a 10 inch weed and things like that. And my old saying, I like to say is, uh, you know, if, if we're going out there and, and waiting for the weeds to grow, we're spraying trophy weeds. And eventually you spray enough trophy weeds, you get to keep trophies. And we don't want to keep these trophies because, you know, they hurt yield. Uh, they're not good for, for the, uh, for the farmer. So. Yep. I agree completely. We spent a lot of time in, um, in years past talking about what I'd call the big three around here. Um, you know, mayor's tail, giant rag and water hemp and, and they're, they're just a lot easier to control when when they're much smaller so i'm gonna have to incorporate using trophy weeds into my into my day-to-day -day talking points though <laughs> so brian is there anything else on the herbicide side of things that uh we need to we need to discuss today yeah i just i want to ask brad real quick that post emergent application that he's talking about where we're putting those group 15s in I know one of the things we've talked about in the past, Brad, has been about the amount of oil when you're putting the enlist in, you're putting a group 15 in. You just want to touch on that real quick for folks so that that's not a surprise to them when they do go out there that 21, 28 days later. Yeah, thank you, Brian. That's a really good question. So when we're doing that post-application timing, depending on what type of you know group 15 you are using, uh, when we start doing tank mixes of Enlist, inherently that product mix sometimes can can get a little, uh, we'll call it warmer on the crop. And so what I want to be cognizant, and I think what Brian's alluding to is be expecting sometimes a, a little bit of crop response, uh, depending on what you're using as a tank mix. Um, if we're going out there with, though, with an Enlist 1 um, and ever pre-X kind of tank mix, typically we, we don't want to put a crop oil uh, adjuvant with that. We may want to be looking like a non-ion extrafactant or some other products that are going to be a, a little less hot, but still do what we want to get the attributes for, to get that product to stick on the leaf and, and translocate into the plant. Um, but that's a, that is something that we do see uh, year over year. One thing that can kind of help mitigate that though, is making sure when we're spraying in list posts is, is that we're using at least 15 gallon of water per acre. 
Um, because I think what we've seen is when, when we go to those lower rates of water, that water, that droplet can be more concentrated. So if you're that 10 to 12 gallon per acre concentration, uh, you're going to get a hotter droplet, if you will, on those on that leaf surface, and you can see that speckling kind of deal. So uh, if you can, and that's what I, I guess I'll take another sidecar here. When I look at Enlist, uh, the common three things I see, uh, especially on the on the post side, is where we run into issues is not using enough water volume. So I want everybody to make sure we're using 15 gallons of water minimum. Okay, the next thing is using the right nozzle. Um, we've got over, I think, 120 nozzles now on the label. Uh, that was in one of the updates also on the label update. Making sure you're using a good nozzle that's going to give you, you know, the balance between driftable fines, uh, drift control, as well as good efficacy uh, as far as droplet size. My favorite nozzle is still the AIXR 11004s. Uh, they do a great job of, of that balance as far as uh, doing those things, what I just talked about. And the last piece is is trying to make sure we add in AMS uh, to those tank mix loads because using AMS and Enlist together, I think, really help, uh, especially down in my geography where we've got really hard water, things like that. Yeah. Go ahead and add an AMS. Add an AMS in, too. I mean, it's a, it's a key differentiator between Enlist and a, a different auxin product is that you know, you can add the AMS in when you mix it with glyphosate. If you have glyphosate, get get better mileage out of your gly in that application too. So, perfect. Well, Brad, I, I think um, maybe we'll pivot just a little bit here before we wrap up. You know, the, the input pricing has been a huge conversation this winter. And, you know, particularly nitrogen. I haven't looked recently, but I've, I've seen $1,600 a ton anhydrous, um, which is just insane. But Corteva, Corteva does have some tools to help with that in, in our nitrogen stabilizer segment. Um, is there anything you can anything you can bring to us, discuss what, what products are available and, and how, how growers might find value in them? Yes, definitely. Uh, so, you know, it's no secret. Uh, nitrogen cost here is, is, is exponentially more than it was last year. Uh, when you're looking at, you know, your farming operation right now, nitrogen is probably the largest investment uh, that you're putting on those acres. And it's also one of the investments probably at the most risk. Uh, when we look at environmental risks as far as leaching, denitrification, nitrogen loss in general, um, at least the last three years in southwest Indiana, we've had very um, conducive conditions for, for those type of uh, losses. So Corteva, being a leader in this marketplace, we have products called Insur for anhydrous ammonia and then Instinct uh, for UAN. And just recently, we actually launched a, an above-ground stabilizer called Pinamax TG, which is an MBPT-type product uh, for volatility on the surface. Uh, but for a second, I'm mainly just going to talk about our below-ground attributes. So when you look at, uh, you know, it's, it's raining outside today. A um, couple guys in our area, I know, ran some anhydrous a couple weeks ago, and, and I know for a fact they used Inserve. And they're probably thinking right now, looking out the window, well, I'm really glad I used that Inserve because, you know, I'm paying $1,600 a ton for that product. You know, using a product like Inserve, at the end of the day, you're keeping nitrogen in the root zone longer for to be able to that corn to u- up, are utilized later in, in the, uh, the growing cycle. So Inserve and Instinct, uh, you know, they work below ground. At the end of the day, you're just you're going to extend that ammonium nitrogen to be able to convert later and have that corn uptake that nitrogen. Um, you know, Inserve is an instinct or one of the few products I call a you know a win-win. They uh, it's a win for for the customer because for that farmer they know that that nitrogen is going to be there later in the season. Uh, they're not letting that water that nitrogen uh, leach out and 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 go into the tile lines and things like that. 
it's a win for the environment. Anytime we can keep nitrogen in the root zone and, and have the corn crop, you know, uptake it and use it in the cycle, that, that's what needs to happen. Um, so the last, I guess, thing I'll look at, you know, I get the question, you know, should I use InServe? Should I use Instinct? They, you know, didn't pay for me years ago. Looking at our hybrids today, and, and you guys know this is what you do on a daily, all pretty much corn hybrids now they need that late season nitrogen. Uh, to get those high yields and and those attributes. So using in-serve and instinct is a good way for a customer to, you know, basically keep that nitrogen investment where it's supposed to be in the soil and for that corn to uptake it later. Brad, we've got a lot of guys up here that have manure. You know, we're in a decent livestock market. Uh, Anything that we can offer to those guys to help keep that nitrogen in place as well? Yes, Brian. So instinct next gen is our newest formulation uh, you know, I mentioned those for UAN and, and urea, but it also mixes very, very well with liquid manure. Um, we can actually add it directly to the pit. Uh, we have that label now. We have that ability to be able to use it. And it's the same same concept. Is uh, As long as we can get that nitrogen uh, blended in, or that instinct blended in with that manure, you're going to protect it below the soil surface, and you're going to keep it there. And I think, um, you know, one of the things that we probably don't point out enough at Corteva um, you know, I talked about Instinct being good for the environment. We actually won the Presidential Green Chemistry Award in 2016 for some of the work we did uh, actually out in Iowa and some of the watersheds to be able to showcase that, you know, we were keeping nitrates out of the groundwater. And uh, I think that's a good thing to point out. You know, it's, a, it's a great thing to point out. And I think that, you know, it's when nitrogen's cheap, it's easy for us to kind of want to overlook that sort of thing and say, well, it's, it's a cheap insurance policy to grow, to grow good corn, but um, there's, there's increasing outside pressure um, on agriculture for our production practices and, and being able to stay ahead of that curve is huge. Um, when, when I've had discussions about inserve, you know, whether, should I use it? Should I not use it? You know, one of the numbers that I like to use is, is what, how, how important is eight weeks to you? in the season and, and I've memory serves me that you can keep the ammonium form eight weeks longer, maybe around roughly yeah. around that. But so, I mean, that, that's the difference. You mentioned our modern hybrids. I mean, we need almost 40% of the total nitrogen that plant's going to uptake after tassel. Um, and from tassel to maturity is, is eight weeks. Okay, so it, it could be the difference between having no nitrogen through grain fill or nit- some nitrogen available all the way through grain fill. Um, you know, so the environmental, the environmental impact, the cost savings impact, I mean, I, $1,600 a ton anhydrous just going through the soil is a, that's a tough pill to swallow. You know, when it's $400, that's, you know, maybe you can get away with it on those units, but, but the environment, the environmental impact is huge. And that's, that's a place where, like I said, with the increasing with increasing spotlight on some of the things you're doing, we see it we see it with herbicide labels too. You know, where they want whenever we relabel a product that it has to be it has to be legally defensible um, in court for for the the EPA to sign off on it. So I think that it is it is a win win. I think you nailed nailed all the points there, um, Brad. Is there anything else that you know you want? you want to tell folks about we should be considering from a crop protection standpoint as we go into the spring here? Uh, I think it's just uh, be cognizant. You know, we know that there is some supply challenges. Uh, just know that our retailers and our, our customers, everybody's doing everything they can be open to, 
you know, you've got a plan A uh, versus a plan B. You might be on the plan C, D, and E by the time we get into the end of the season. Uh, but there's going to be enough. We're going to have a good year. And I think we're, we're going to be able to do everything we need to do. And um, I, I just want to make sure, you know, going back to that nitrogen piece, if, if you are somebody that has never used uh, in-server instinct before, there's never a better time this year to, to be looking at that on your farm. Um, I, like I said, not just because of the economics, but also the environmental piece. Um, we've proven year over year again that, you know, we, we have increased yields because of using these products. But at the end of the day, you're doing what you're supposed to do to keep nitrogen, you know, out of the out of the water and things like that. So it, it, it keeps it in the root zone. And that's I just hope you hope you would try it if you haven't done it before. Good. Um, Brian, anything anything we missed? I think we've covered most of it, Ben. Very good. Well, with that, Brad, if anybody heard anything that um, struck a chord with them and they'd like to like to get a hold of you, is there a way for folks to do that? Yes, I do. I uh, have actually have a Twitter account. It's at BBURK503. Uh, if anybody wants to reach out, you know, send me a message and I, I'd be happy to have a conversation, especially about nitrogen. It's a it's a topic that I is near and dear to my heart and, and, and I love talking about it. So great. Uh, Mr. Schrader, if folks want to get a hold of you, how can how can they accomplish that? Sure. A couple ways, Ben. You can get a hold of me on Twitter at BK Schrader, or you can get a hold of me on the gram at B underscore K underscore Schrader. How about you? You can find me on the Twitter at the Ben Jacob or on Facebook at Ben Jacob Agronomy. Um, thanks again to Brad for coming on and talking us through a bunch of hot topics here for the spring um, thank all of you for spending you some time with us here this week uh, stay safe and we wish you a great spring thank you for listening to this episode from the pioneer agronomy team be sure to visit pioneer.com backslash podcasts to access additional episodes and learn more about our extensive on-farm data and innovative digital tools that are fueling forward-thinking farming